I'm a cold-hearted snake. From the bathroom floor to interview time. I remember my first night drinking. <laughs> Those were the days. JK. Wait, can I leave real quick? Handle some more business? No. I will man the ship. I will woman the ship. Yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Nige. And it's your girl, Merc, and you're listening to Adult-ish from YR Media. The number one recommended podcast by my mom and me and Oprah. Wait, for real? Like she endorses already? Well, she said it in my dream, so that counts, right? Good enough for me. Okay, (laughs) real talk, Merc, how are you feeling about this episode? Yo, I'm super hyped because it's going to be amazeballs, (laughs) minus the balls. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because today we're getting into her-ish. And when we say her, we mean like women identifying folks. But hey, even if you don't go by her or she pronouns, everything we got for you is going to be sweet like her, she's chocolate. And just relatable regardless. So we're going to talk about representation, role models, expectations. And uh, Merck, you want to say this last one? Vaginas! (laughs) Or as Oprah would say, vajayjays! Exactly. So get hyped, get excited, start jumping on couches like Tom Cruise and Rick James. Bro, that's like a decade-old reference. Sorry, not sorry, sis, but I thought you would appreciate it, to be honest. I secretly do. (laughs) So anyways, we're going to be talking to 21-year-old actress Sydney Sweeney, who goes back in time to give advice to her dead character Eden from Handmaid's Tale. And later, our 17-year-old YR Media correspondent Charlie Stipe answers questions on what people with vaginas need to know about pap smears like this one. Like, I don't know how that works. Wait, what's the point of, what do you, why do you get one? What is it? I guess we'll find out soon. But now we're going to talk to one of our three guests of honor, Imtihaj Muhammad. There's so much to say about her. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, how do I do this without fangirling? You got this, Merc. Just take a deep breath. I believe in you. <sighs> okay. <laughs> She's the first Muslim American woman in hijab to compete for the U.S. in the Olympics on the women's saber team. And if you don't know what saber is, it's chill because we didn't either. Yeah, apparently it's one of the three types of fencing. Yup, and spoiler alert, Ipti's also won a medal. Not only that, she also co-founded the clothing company Luella that specializes in high fashion for those who want to dress a little more conservatively. And my favorite part, she has a Barbie made after her with fencing gear, hijab, Nike kicks, and all. Last but not least, she's got a book, and it's titled Proud, My Fight for an Unlikely American Dream, which is out now. Ya girl has two copies. So without further ado, Iptihaj, what's up? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, my heart is is bumping like a rabbit. <laughs> okay, so we're just going to get right into this. Um, so I've been snooping on your Instagram, and girl, what's your nail game like today? Um, it's really cute. uh it's i like like milky colors like a milky nude color but i have just a simple like line on four of my nails so Mm. vertical horizontal uh vertical so three are vertical one's horizontal and i totally regret doing the one horizontal oh dang they're pretty lit i like them (laughs) so i gotta ask about fencing i mean it might not be the first thing that you think about when you think of the olympics but it's been around like forever so how did that become your sport of choice So fencing was just uniquely accommodating to my religious beliefs. Discovered it at 12, driving past a local high school with my mom. Saw fencing inside the school cafeteria from the road. My mom's like, don't know what it is, but they're fully covered, so I want you to try it. Mm. And um, women who wear hijab cover everything with the exception of their face and their hands. So I wear Mm. long sleeves, I wear pants, and I also wear the headscarf. So in all these different sports I played, I was always adding something to the uniform. Like in track, I wore spandex underneath the team shorts. In volleyball, I wore a short sleeve underneath my team tank top. But for me, I was always out of uniform, always stared at when I went to competitions with my teammates. And for me in fencing, it was totally different. When I put my mask on, no one knew I was black. No one knew I wore hijab. They didn't even Mm. know if I was a girl or not. You're just out there doing your own thing. And and so in fencing, I felt like a superhero from like Jump Street. (laughs) I just thought it was so cool that no one knew who I was or what I could do was all about how good can you be on the fencing strip. 
And um, I, to be honest, have never been in love with the sport, still mm. not in love with the sport. I'm just very competitive. And when people tell me no, I feel so motivated and like energized by that. I'm like, man, I got to prove them wrong. Yeah. I have to prove it to myself. I can do it. Yo, real talk for a second. Um, When I'm at the gym, uh, if I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this, I straight up think of you because I'm like, yo. Ibtihaj did it. I'll like say your name in my Stop head. Stop it. No, I'm not That's even kidding. Amazing. She's really not. She's like, really I imagine not. you grinding and like sweating, like, you know, in the Gatorade commercials. I'm like, Ibtihaj, Ibtihaj, Ibtihaj. And then I like I go and I'm not even kidding. When we were prepping for this interview, she was talking about that. She was like, I, you know, I think about her every time I'm working out. Wait, I like live for that uh, because <laughs> I swear I am. I've always been motivated by my competitors. I remember having like night sweats. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and think that like world number one has already gone for a run. Oh God. She's already like got training in that day. So that kind of motivated me to like kind of kick it into kick it into another gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that you in any way, shape or form <laughs> feel motivated by me, I like love that. That Woo! is like touching my heart right now. Oh. Um, me personally, I'm a bit of a fashion guy. So, I mean, I've taken a few like design classes hey. in college. So, I mean, when I heard that you had your own clothing line, I was pretty shook. I was like, oh, what? Yeah, same. Yeah. I was like, all the stuff on your website, I was it was sold out. And I was like, dang it. I have to wait Maybe until like, next, season. next time, Shoot. Lil Merc. Ah. But yeah. <laughs> what's the story behind Luella and like, how did it start? So Luella, I started with my siblings, and it was born out of necessity. When I was younger, I had a really hard time finding modest stuff that was fashionable. Mm-hmm. And that was always really frustrating because if, if you wanted a long sleeve dress, you had to buy the like spaghetti strap dress, mm-hmm. find a sweater or something, a cardigan to go over it, and then you still had to find hijab. Mm-hmm. And um, even as an adult, you know, as a sports ambassador for the U.S. State Department, I want to be modest in what I wear in front of large audiences and... I couldn't find that. I couldn't find it affordably. The premise of the company is for all of our items to be fashionable, affordable, and modest. Mm. And we work with female manufacturers who employ women. Dang. Um, What's what's like your favorite look to go for? Yeah, you know, I love that you're into fashion. I feel like I'm, of my siblings, I'm not the most into fashion, but I feel like I'm all about like like monochrome. Yeah, like monochrome moments. But I love a good purse. Um, But I'm also a Nike athlete, so I'm finding myself in, like, exclusive kicks a lot of time, which is so not who I am. But it's like, (laughs) ah, they're free, so hashtag why not. Hashtag I want that. Hashtag why not me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hashtag we got to be good friends, and I'll give you the hookup. Hey! We can do each other's nails, all that stuff. Hey, what's up? I feel like this relationship is advancing a lot more quickly than I thought. Yeah. For real, though, in your book, you mention your number one gal pal, your younger sister, Faiza, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's an amazing fencer like yourself, and the connection you two have totally reminds me of me and my big sister, Christy. Shout out, sister and, love. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I get choked up just thinking about it when I was reading it. I was just like, yo, I, I know I'm like here today, and she's here today because we had each other in our lives. So what about your sister helped you become who you are today? You know, I wonder if my tight relationship um, with my bestie sister, Faiza, makes my other siblings jealous, I probably. <laughs> but um, it was interesting to see my sister, six years younger than me, kind of turn into like this mama tiger energy when, <laughs> you know, um, people treated me poorly uh, on the U.S. national team. Mm. And I talk about this in my book. I talk about mental health. I talk about suffering from depression for about two years Mm -hmm. as a member of the U.S. national team. And so much of that had to do with isolation, intentional, you know, exclusion by my teammates, Mm. Um, even the coaching staff, uh, not book flights, not tell me about team practices, but then Mm. want to penalize you for not showing up Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, pigeonhole me as a black athlete who could be strong. But because I was black, I wasn't capable of thinking tactically as an mm. athlete. It's just crazy Ugh. stuff. That it's like that. Petty there's no stuff. way that's happening, but um, it's happening, right? And for me, having my sister with me, it helped me um, just navigate that space and and really try to hone in and focus on my myself as an athlete. Right. Because I was tired of being sad, to be honest. Like I remember sitting down with my mom 
and talking about the sadness I was feeling. And like most of us, I thought, you know, you think your mom's a doctor, so you're talking to her about this. And <laughs> this and that. And my mom, I love, I love my parents, but my parents think you can pray away sadness. All right. And um, the answer to everything is prayer. And I'm like devout Muslim, but mm-hmm. praying was not helping me. And one of the greatest decisions that I made as an athlete was to ask for help. Yeah, so, I, I mean, one of the things that you brought up that I really thought was um, really powerful is when you were talking about, like, just not only praying but, like, acting on your prayer. That's something my grandma used to always tell me. And, I mean, we're keeping all these good feels going, and we're going to channel all of this into our next segment that we like to call... Goals! <laughs> So this is a segment where Nige and I talk to someone who will help us reach our hashtag goals in a specific area. And it's perfect that you're here, Iptiaj, because you're here to help us reach our hashtag rise up goals. <laughs> you ready for this, Iptiaj? I'm ready. Yes. Born ready. Cool. So, I mean, you talked about this a little bit earlier, but I was kind of shook to find out like your fellow U.S. teammates were, you know, throwing a lot of shade towards you. And they didn't even, like, congratulate mm-hmm. you on wins and didn't invite you to, like, team dinners. Mm-hmm. What did it feel like uh, when you were going through that? And then how did you keep your spirits up? It was tough. It was it was tough to experience that because one of the one of the greatest gifts of being on a team should be unity, right? And right. I didn't have that. So instead of allowing that to affect how I felt about myself or, you know, internalize it, I made my own team, right? I had my own squad. I traveled with my sister Faiza. Squad goals, right? Uh, <laughs> I I love them to the moon and back, and and seriously, would not be here today if it weren't for them. Mm. So, are there any words of affirmation that you say to yourself to keep up those good vibes? Like any mantras or anything? I do. So, oh, okay. my Muhammad Ali mantras. That's what I like to call them. Mm. Uh, we talk about Muhammad Ali, right? And everyone's like, oh, he was so cocky. He was so cocky. And I totally oh. disagree with that. I think that Muhammad Ali is human and he suffered from nervousness like the rest of us. And mm. he was literally trying to like Jedi mind trick himself into <laughs> believing yeah. that he was the best. <laughs> when it's time for me to fence, when it's go time, I'm literally trying to trick myself into believing that I'm the best. And whoever is on the other end of that fencing strip, she's going down. Mm. Um, right. So I use Muhammad Ali mantras every day to psych myself up. So when it comes to looks, I say you are Fierce, all caps. Other icons I look to like Zendaya, Aquafina, and like I said, you. Uh, you all have that undeniable confidence in what y'all wear and just how you carry yourselves. Some of us don't have that. So if I want to rock that jumpsuit my friends like Nige are telling me is whack, <laughs> what should I do? Um, wear it. Forget not. I mean, is Nige telling you to is Nige telling you to wear it or not to wear it? I don't know, Nige. What do you what are you saying this about my jumpsuit? This is completely untrue. I've never told you not to wear anything. <laughs> okay, that's true. I got some other friends who are like, <laughs> you know, you dress like you're either 12 or 51. I'm like, yeah, because they're all hand-me-downs, but so what? Oh, my gosh. I've only so, given you compliments. So, two things. One, new friends for sure, because <laughs> any friend oh that God. is... Look, it's always great to have a friend who's like, hey, girl... Maybe not that look, but <laughs> if your friend is a hater, new friend for sure, and wear that jumpsuit if you feel good in it. Mm, thank you. You know what? When I get my blue check on Instagram, I will slide into your DMs <laughs> and be like, hey, remember me? We can rock Stop jumpsuits together. You don't together. need a blue check. Stop it. Girl, I, I followed you like a couple of minutes ago, so we're just saying. Ultra Red. All right. <laughs> Shameless. Plug. I'm literally posting about you guys right now. What is your handle so I can tag you? Um, I am at ultra rad uber fad. Okay. Middle school. Ultra rad. Are is your picture you and a guy? Yeah, that's me and my boy Samuel. <laughs> Do you know how bad I'm sweating right now? Like <laughs> this room is already hot, but I'm like Wait, Nigel, which you're not Nigel Barker. Which Nigel nah, are you? Not in <laughs> Nigel T. It's just N Y G E L T. No, how come my, my phone does not love you? It will not let me find you. Hey, at least it loves me, and that's what matters, because today is all about Femish. Oh, you're on Instagram. My Instagram is unsp.gully, G-U-L-L-Y. Uh, do you have glasses on? Yeah. In a business suit? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, you know what's not gully, Nigel? That you have two different handles. I need you to, like, unify. <laughs> but I lo- I feel like I know you guys better now that I can put a face to the voice. Yay. Um, one thing I, I really got to ask you. So 
read the book, loved it. The part when the whole team gets poisoning, that evil salmon. Evil salmon, like, like four people got food poisoning. Tell me, tell me what was on the dish, like... Can you describe that meal before it, you know? We we left a training camp in Poland, uh, in Warsaw, for an Olympic qualifier in Athens. So I'm in the lounge, and I'm obsessed with smoked salmon. Mm. So if I see smoked salmon, you better believe I'm going to get a bunch of it. <laughs> and who knew I was going to get not just any food poisoning, but when we got to Athens, I meet my mom, my sister there. I am so sick that I swear to God I thought I was going to die, oh like, God. on the floor in Athens. I, like, believe it or not, I had to compete the next day like nothing had happened, right? And <laughs> I oh I mean, God. that was my third Olympic qualifier where I won a medal. Oh but, um, yeah, to this day, I do not mess with smoked salmon. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You know, all of that reminds me of what happened right before this. Oh Nigel, I'm so sorry. I got to share. He was pocket. throwing up. No. Nobody needs but, to but know hey, this information. <laughs> you competed. You're competing now. This is the Olympic Games. I mean, like in this our This is podcast. your Olympic Games, Nigel. Oh my gosh. Like I was, li- I was li- <laughs> <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. You sound amazing. Yeah, you do. <laughs> My senior producer's in there dying laughing because I'm in here with a trash can and a huge oh, thing of water. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I'm pushing through. Oh my god, awful. I'm so sorry. Oh no, it's all good. Merrick, you're out of pocket. No, <laughs> I felt like I was doing hey, a great job <laughs> of hiding that information. This is your body expelling bad energy. That's yeah. all. There we go. Well, you know, Iptiaj, I'm gonna miss. We're gonna miss you because this interview is now. You know, wait, wait. Oh, it's done. Oh, no sad face, but right. I already tagged you guys on an IG post and hope that we become real friends after this. Hey. Yo, if you are, if you're ever coming back to New Jersey, I will legit. Go up to New Jersey and be like, yo, girl, what's up? We can get our nails done together or something. Um, I'm going to take you up on that because I'm flying to New York tonight. So <laughs> Are you, you might hear from me sooner than you think. You're going to slide into the DMs? Um, I'm trying to keep it kosher. That sounded not too kosher. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it happen. Okay, cool. I'm I'm here. I'm I oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yes. Ultra rad, uber fad. I can't wait for this. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me guys. Nigel, feel better. I'm trying. Follow Ibtihaj at the same handle at Ibtihaj Muhammad. And while you guys got your phones and laptops out, get ready to Google some anatomy terms because this next segment is about health. Uh, not necessarily your health though, Nige. Well, that explains why your boy is about to get kicked off the episode for a second while Merck and our YR <laughs> media reporter, Charlie Stipe, talk about... Wait, Davey, like, why is my script stopped here? Vaginas! Wow, shouldn't know. <laughs> Bye-bye, Nige. I'm taking over the show now. See you later, dude. You mean do that? I mean do that. There you go. So, Charlie, thanks for being here as our diplomatic medical expert for this episode. Of course. I find it hilarious that I'm somehow a medical expert on vaginas now. (laughs) I don't know how that happened along the way. How does it feel knowing that you've gotten that title without the PhD? I feel incredible. This is the best (laughs) handout that has ever been handed. It is. And today, you're going to give us the T on the P, which is the truth behind pelvic exams or pap smears. So I, I guess my first question is, are those two even the same thing? No, pelvic exam is like a less used word, I think, because it's less fun than pap smear. Yeah, Um, super intimidating. Yeah, pelvic exam is super formal, while pap smear is like easily changed to like pap smear, which is (laughs) my preferred way of saying it. Okay, wow, my my mind is blown because (laughs) I thought they were the same thing. So, here's the T on the P. So, (laughs) a pap smear is a part of a pelvic exam. Uh, A pelvic exam... Um, is in three parts, and a pap smear is the middle one. And I'll talk more Mm. about all the three parts, if you so please. Oh, yes. Um, So a pelvic exam in its entirety has, um, like, an external exam, which is Mm -hmm. just checking out the vulva, and then the pap smear, which is brushing off the cervix for cells that might lead to cervical cancer. Um, And then a bimanual exam, meaning two hands, Mm. um, is a probing of the uterus. Uh, And you've had one. (laughs) 
right? Well, actually, now I don't even know because I know I got my badge checked okay. before I moved to New York, but now I don't even know if that was a public exam or a pap smear. Okay, well, do you want to describe what happened and I can like classify it as either a pelvic exam or a pap smear? Yeah, yes, doctor. Okay, okay. so um, it was a few months ago. I was 21, and my mom was like, hey, you need to go get checked. You know, you're a woman now. And um, my sister, she was like, oh, yeah, so they stick this metal duck beak inside your hoo <laughs> and scrape inside. So to describe what happened to me, I go in, my doctor was super chill, and she's like, I'm just going to, like, stick a... So it was like a plastic thing that she sticked inside, and they were kind of like beaks. And so when she was doing that, um, she, like, stuck this long Q-tip inside of me and, like, scraped or, you know, swabbed. And uh, it felt weird, but uh, she was super chill, and I was like, yo, I'm so sorry if I queef on you. (laughs) And she was like, "Um, oh, it's okay, you know, it happens. But I've had, like, people pee on me before, so you can't do worse than that. Oh, my God. Yeah. That must be so crazy to be a gyno because vaginas are so unpredictable. It's it's a whole new world down there. Well, okay. It sounds like what you experienced was a pap smear specifically because you mentioned a plastic tool, uh-huh. which is the speculum, which does uh, the scraping of the cells. And Q-tips are also used to brush off like any mucus or blood uh, if you're on your period. See, vaginas are so hardcore. Mm. Okay. Um, they are. They're, they're really like blood, mm-hmm. cramps. I know. I'm on my period right now, and I'm trying to like. Oh shoot. Feel. Bless your soul. Bless your vagina. I'm trying to feel like mindful about it. So why don't we get into like how you know all this stuff? You talked with a medical professional about pelvic exams, right? Yeah. Exactly. That. Th- that. There should just be a preface that I am not a medical professional. I am a 17 year old girl who was curious. <laughs> about pelvic exams <laughs> and went and talked to a lovely doctor, Vanessa Jacoby, uh, mm-hmm. who's a gynecologist practicing in San Francisco. So that's how I know it. Independent research and an interview. Okay, I'm a reporter, not a medical professional. Gotcha. Everything should be taken with a grain of salt. <laughs> okay, so thank you for that clarification. Um, after, I guess, at one point you sat down with other YR Media interns to ask them about what they know or didn't know about public exams. So we're going to play a clip here and there and then have you unpack the things that they said. All right. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Do you just like, OK, like I'm 21. Do I like call and be like, I think I need one now? Or like, are they going to be like, I think you're t- like you're 21. Like, yeah, it's time for you, you to have you get an email or something. Like, do they call you and are like, OK, you should come in for like this check up now like i don't know how that works wait what's the yeah. point of what do you why do you get one what is it's, it it's kind of like it's like a checkup for your vagina my understanding that's like a checkup for your vagina and then as you get older you're also like checking for like cervical cancer or any other like issues that could be going on wait if you have a pap smear you would know you've had a pop smear yes. right yeah like you'd be like it'd be a pop smear yeah. it's not just like a check it's like no it's okay like, it's you like, know you okay have to, like, i think what happens in a pap smear is like they go up, and then they go up even further, and then they scrape. I don't know if it's a swab or a scrape. They need long Q-tips, so they, they like put like clamps open. And then yeah, like metal clamps, and then they're like, there's metal involved. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's metal involved. Oh, my God. Okay, so uh, that sounds like quite a bit to respond to. So remind me why this is something women need to have. Okay, so pap smears and pelvic exams are so important and help so many people with vaginas because what the uh, pap smear in the pelvic exam is looking for is cells that may lead to cancer. You know, they're scary enough. You don't need to be freaked out about it. But it's like it could be life or death if you are not in touch enough to, like, go check in with your vagina and, like, care for it. Like, it's really important to take care of your vagina in case you get cervical cancer or there's even, like, a cyst there that, Ah. like, needs to be taken care of. It's an unpredictable, gorgeous beast. And is there there supposed to be metal involved? Yes. Okay. There is metal involved, and it looks pretty freaky. You mentioned duckbills. My first thought was alligator, although it is rounded. Um, and this tool is used during the uh, the pap smear, and it's basically what it does is that, and this is also going to sound like pretty scary, it's inserted okay. inside and it's got two bills, and it basically like 
it locks and then it keeps your vagina open. So your doctor, who has a spotlight, by the way. Let's look inside. <laughs> Hello. Exactly. Uh, can see where the cervix is and, you know, brush off a few cells, you know. So it's for visibility, but you have options. You can get a okay. smaller size. Oh. And there's warmed up lubricant, okay? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> not that this, like, very industrial process is sensual in any way, and it should be. <laughs> but, you know, it's a little bit more comfortable than just, like, jamming, you just like, a, a metal yeah. tool up there. You know, like, there's, there's care involved, yeah. you know. But so it yeah. looks really scary and it can be uncomfortable, especially if, for example, you have experience with sexual assault, you know, and then, you know, for mm-hmm. some patients, it can actually be painful, but it shouldn't freak you out. There's no clamps. OK, like, this isn't like an S&M thing. Like there's no <laughs> clamps. There's no reason you would need to have your vagina clamped open to get a few cells off. Like take okay. a breather. Just in case anyone was wondering. Yeah. I mean, people were. Wait. No clamps. <laughs> I I don't think I ever asked you, have you ever had a pap smear? Yeah, I was almost afraid you're gonna ask that. No, I have not. What? I have not had a pap smear. I'm 17, and you don't have to get a pap smear until you're 21. And that's the truth. What? I went to a doctor's office, like in a button down and like some Ben Davis pants. <laughs> Like, just look, just a professional interview. Like, I nothing. Looking fly and fresh. Exactly. Like, we went through the motions. I did put my feet in the stirrups, but, like, I did not get a pap smear, and I have not had one. (laughs) Wow. So what was it like to report on that as someone who hasn't had one yet? I mean, like, it doesn't necessarily freak me out. And maybe that was a good reason I'm I'm reporting, because I'm curious. Yeah. And I'm, like have like a dirty sense of humor so I'm like <laughs> I do too. I'm like more I'm like ooh like what's this like you know scary duck Aww. bill like Ugh, you know <laughs> so I had I had fun with it <laughs> probably a lot more fun than getting a pelvic exam is gonna be yo I'm gonna have to google all this stuff or just like get a mirror or something because I'll admit I'm I'm not the best when it comes to really knowing myself down there mm-hmm. and my mom calls me out all the time she's like hey you're a woman, you know? <laughs> and I know they taught us general stuff in sex ed, and that was in, like, sixth grade when I was only really excited about, you know, getting that free deodorant in the puberty swag bag. You ever get one of those? Oh, yeah, I got one of those. Mm. Did the interns talk about that at all? Yeah, we talked a little bit about education and about if we have it, it can be this, like, very loaded, hesitant thing um, that doesn't necessarily promote openness with our bodies you know mm-hmm. my sex ed was atrocious um, my sex ed was my teacher scrambling she told us how flowers reproduced and then she told us she had herpes what and then all the girls and boys were separated in different rooms and the boys like talked about boners and the girls the teacher scrambled and was like okay uh did you know that boys think about sex every five seconds? And then we counted to five what? for like 15 oh minutes. And that was sex ed. So that, that's, yeah. I feel like that is, that's not even a good primer right there. I know. And I go to an art school in the Bay Area. So it really makes you wonder. <laughs> um, but I can only imagine. It was like, you know, I was lucky I had parents and grandparents who gave me, you know, somewhat misguided but relatively, uh, like, a good start for uh, yeah. making my own discoveries. Yeah, let's uh, actually play a little clip on what the intern said about sex ed. Yeah. My sex ed was like, this is how you get pregnant, and these are the STDs to avoid. I found that was multiple it. holes. I'm really okay. confused. <laughs> What's like the, the third one? There's like, come here, come here, come here. Wait, one hole is for like, oh, the butthole counts as one of the holes? I think what happens is. Oh, 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 darlings. Oh, my dears. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So why why don't you think we were taught the, the T of the P? Okay. This is like a personal idea. Like, again, you called me a medical expert at the beginning of this. I'm just, I'm a 17-year-old <laughs> kid who has too much time in her hands. You know, that's, <laughs> that's really the basis of my expertise. Smart kid. You know, I feel like especially vaginas mm-hmm. have two levels of like theoretical barrier it's this level of demonization a demonization of the idea of sex right Mm -hmm. and then also in a similar lane sacralization uh like making it sacred and therefore inaccessible to us because if you start that investigation you're somehow like shattering that idea 
of sacralization, you know. I, t- I warned you. You're like, you know, don't you don't have to be academic. You don't have to be formal. Thing <laughs> is, I'm pretentious as hell. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, that's, like, my more, like, theoretical, like, spiritual analysis of it. There's also, like, political things at play. And just, like, teachers are probably not given enough training. And so yeah. when they're given these, like, exploding 12-year-olds <laughs> and have to explain to them about sex and oh about us you're like no i don't want to exactly like we had a question box in our class and like someone put in the question box like can i tittle myself with a fork like what? as a teacher how are you as an underpaid teacher how are you supposed to deal with that like oh gosh so, i mean that's like my idea of the elements at play <laughs> jeez louise well not every woman whether they're 17 21 or like you know even in their 30s or something they might not have access to this kind of information that you know you were able to get it might be kind of obvious but how dangerous do you think that is mm, you're absolutely right mm-hmm. the danger with that is you know not only teen pregnancy not only STDs and not only possibly not getting a pap smear mm-hmm. which are all really big issues that I could go into but you know but more specific to our topic is um you know, there was the doctor at USC where he had a lot of patients who were sexually assaulted by him, but they didn't even know it. Like, they didn't know till after. They had this strange feeling, and they knew that something was wrong, but they didn't communicate it right away because they didn't have that education right. um, and that feeling of empowerment. And so this man was, like, sexually assaulting them, sexually harassing them, not using gloves, touching them sexually, Um, watching them change, and they didn't know to stand up for themselves. I think that's a huge danger in specifically talking about pelvic exams. Right. So since you are, you know, essentially the the knowledge messenger of all this, can you tell us about some rights you have as a patient during the exam? Absolutely. Let's start at the beginning. All right. Um, So first there's going to be a questioning section, which is for your medical benefit. Mm -hmm. But if the questions make you uncomfortable, you can opt out. There should be no sense of judgment. Mm. Okay. Next, changing. They should give you a gown and they should leave the room. You should have your own space to change into the gown. And if they watch, like, creep, get out. super weird. Yeah. Next, they should wear gloves because, you know, vaginas can be really sensitive to infections, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, next. Okay. Next. In the exam section, there should never be a time where they really use more than two fingers. Uh, it's possible in the last part, the bimanual exam, where they insert usually one to two fingers and then put a hand on the outside of your stomach to like probe the uterus for abnormalities. So if you feel like they're doing something that just seems unexpected, using mm-hmm. like more fingers than necessary or touching you in a sexual way, you can be like, hey, like what is going on? Can you please like communicate with me? Um, and then and you can just go. right? Yeah, exactly. And also, if you feel uncomfortable going alone, uh, you can have someone there in the room with you. And you can leave at any time. Like, you can just grab your clothes and blow this joint. Like, bye. Yeah. And different sizes for tools. You can ask for a smaller size of speculum, too. Ooh. Because, you know, vaginas come in all different shapes and sizes, so. Well, I didn't know all those things. And I want to thank you, Charlie, for giving us that lowdown. <laughs> lowdown. Nice. I don't know if that was an intended pun, but if so. Oh, always an intended very pun smooth. with Mark. If it seems murky, it probably is. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you, like, a few less points for that one, but I like the spirit. It's okay. You'd, you'd give me more than Nigel would give me. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, Charlie Stipe has given us the hype of what you need to know about pelvic exams. There's also a more in-depth version of Charlie's reporting on YouTube and our website at yradultish.com. If you're over 21, have a vagina but haven't had a pap smear or a go get one. Go and if you've already it. had one, remember to get one every, uh, how often, Charlie? Three years. Woo! Yo, yeah, every three <laughs> years. Be sure to hit up Charlie on Instagram at snotgirl. That is snotgirl with a one instead of the I. Snotgirl with a one. Love the handle, yo. <laughs> that's. Some people might think it's snot cool, but I think it totally is. But I'm also a huge booger, so. It's, yeah, it's like a mild dairy allergy. That's all. <laughs> Thanks for coming on our show, Charlie. Oh, so great talk to you, Merck. Big 
shout out to our ex-high school interns you heard from who are now in college. Sierra Fong Horvath. Finley Davis. Malia Disney. Olivia Monforte. And Nina Roll. So wait, I have so many freaking questions. Like, can you break down what you guys were talking about real quick? Yeah, sure. I'll break it down. I don't know. Like, what does it feel like to get a pap smear? Um, okay. Metaphor time. Metaphor time. You ready? Eskire. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> All right. So it's like when you go to the dentist, you know, uh, they got to check you up. They put their fingers inside your mouth oh God, and they're like yeah. trying to talk to you. And it's like weird and awkward, but you know, like it needs to happen. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's, it's like that. Uh, yikes. But down there. Uh, that sounds pretty horrible, to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, oh, there's a dude thing that sounds pretty horrible I want to know about. What's that? Uh, what, what is it like getting kicked in the amazeballs? Oh, my gosh. That, it honestly feels horrible. <laughs> like, it feels like, first, it's like a sick feeling, and then it just feels like you want to die over and over again. Oh, well, I don't know much about dying, but I know our mama I made a guest might because her characters die over and over again on every show she's on. We've got Sydney Sweeney in the Hurtish House. Okay, that was a nice little transition, Mark. Thank you. You've probably seen Sydney as Eden on season two of The Handmaid's Tale. She was the dramatic Emma Lynn in the Netflix show Everything Sucks and Alice in HBO's Sharp Objects. And her IMDb page is growing faster than my siblings' puppies. <laughs> like she really just doesn't stop them. <laughs> Sydney Sweeney, welcome to Adult-ish. Thank you for having me. So first off, you had a freaking amazing year. Like, mm -hmm. it seemed like every streaming platform I looked at, I was like, yo, my girl Sydney is up there again. <laughs> and speaking of up there again, don't even get me started on that your last episode of Handmaid's Tale. When you're up there on that high dive, like, bro, I was tripping out. I guess essentially what I'm trying to ask you is how bad did it hurt to keep your eyes open in that slow-mo underwater scene? It actually didn't hurt. What? <laughs> I was worried myself, but it didn't hurt at all. Really? Right? Like, are you a robot? Like, how do you open your eyes beep, boop, beep, boop. for that long underwater? I grew up on a lake in Washington. Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. So, I'm used to the water. <laughs> so, some of your characters have really dark paths, mm -hmm. like Alice from Sharp Objects, Eden from Handmaid's Tale. But from the looks of your Insta, it looks like your real life is pretty popping, though. So, I mean, <laughs> how do you channel these, like, personally... Have you seen High School Musical? Of course. I grew up with that. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay. So me and Mark, we do our little High School Musical. Brr, brr, ma, ma. <laughs> and then that's how we get in our zone. But how do you get in your zone to play these darker roles? Uh, well, I build my characters from the day they were born to the first page of the script. Mm. And I build everything that a regular person would have. So memories, a timeline of their entire life. I build the house that she grew up in, the school, her friends, anything that would create an actual person. Shoot. So you just like write it down or something? Yeah, I have these books for each of my characters that are kind of like these scrapbook interactive diaries. Ooh, like bullet journals. Kind of, yeah. I build it that way. So even like when you were doing like that for, uh, let, let's take Eden from Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. Like when you were doing that, what was Eden's favorite movie and stuff like that? Well, like, like that she wouldn't have favorite movies because she wouldn't be able to. So yeah. her oh, book was dang. a lot of <laughs> pictures. So pictures of her farm that she grew up on or mm. pictures of babies and babies baby's clothes because that's what she dreams of. Oh, shoot. So it's super nice to play all those characters because not only do you do a fantastic job, but you're repping for us young women out there. So first, <laughs> let me give you a little high five if you can do that in podcasting. <laughs> all right. So how would you say your experience as a young woman in Hollywood is different from your fellow female castmates who are a little older? You know, especially in the wake of things like hashtag me too. I think that I've been really lucky because I have so many incredible female role models that I'm getting to work with, especially this last year. I mean, Elizabeth Moss and Yvonne and Amy Adams, mm. being able to see them as an actor, as a producer, as Amy as a mother and mm. being able to learn from that and hope to be like that. Let's get into your Handmaid's Tale character, Eden. All right. So Eden goes from like zero to 100 in terms of having this super dramatic character arc she goes from being like the ultimate symbol of the anti-feminist world of Gilead and then things get super hyphy at the end when she's executed, you know. <laughs> super hyphy. 
Super hyphy, yeah. <laughs> you know, for pretty much yoloing her life and living how she wants. <laughs> Very Romeo and Juliet moment. Yeah. But also this part isn't a spoiler because, you know, it's on Sydney's Insta too, like the part. So it's I know. I always <laughs> feel yeah. so bad when I was posting different articles that would talk about Eden and I would get DMs from people going, Stop spoiling it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm caught up. Fine, <laughs> unfollow me real quick. Yeah. yeah. If you're a fan, watch it by now. Right. Like, what, is, what are you I doing? I stayed up and waited for it to come out. Even before I was on the <laughs> show, I was like binge watching it all the time. Yeah, I, I mean we heard that you so how did that go? When you found out about about the part? Yeah, so when I first got the audition for it, I actually hadn't seen the show yet. And I was like, okay, I need to watch one episode to see what it's like, get a feeling for the cinematography and the show and the actors. And I ended up watching the entire season that night. <laughs> Dang. Right when I got done, I ran out of my room and I was like, Mom, you have to watch this. And so then that weekend, I rewatched it <laughs> all over again with my mom. Yes. <laughs> That's why you had, like, so much backstory. You just lived in Gilead, basically, oh, for, totally. like, a solid week. I did, and then I read the book a couple times. I was breathing and living Gilead. Well, that's the way to do it. I, I can feel you with the binge-watching. I mean, I didn't star in a show, except for adult-ish, but um, <laughs> I binge-watched Sharp Objects last night. Hashtag spoiler. Cover your ears real quick if you haven't seen it. You also have another brutal death scene in Sharp Objects. You, you Your character, Alice, she kills herself by drinking, it was like bleach, right? Yeah, it was Drano. How do you, as like Sydney Sweeney, I mean, we've asked how you prepare for these roles, but like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do these roles change you? You know, I used to say that they don't change me because I separate myself from my characters so much. But I think I'm learning from my characters. I don't know if it's changing or learning, which does change a person, but it it opens my eyes up to way more things, like way more issues. When I was researching about Alice, I was researching about girls who struggled with cutting also or just depression. And you learn a lot more about different people in the world. And I think that changes a person as well. Going back a little bit to what you were talking about when you binge-watched Handmaid's Tale, you said you watched it again with your mom. What was that conversation like with your mom about such a deep and powerful show? Well, she loved it. Um, She fell in love with it as well and then had all her girlfriends watch it because (laughs) they were like, you will not believe how realistic the show is right now. It was a lot of quick because I couldn't tell her exactly what was happening with my character. You couldn't even tell your mom? I, I told my mom a few things. <laughs> she was such a big fan of the show, so she didn't want any spoiler alerts. Oh. So, of course, the one time I fly her up to bring her on set, because we filmed in Toronto, it was the day of the final scene oh for Eden. Oh, my gosh. How did she react to that? It was really hard for her. But I think it's it's easier for her to see it actually happening and seeing the people that go into making it happen instead of just seeing it on screen and making it feel super realistic and scaring mm-hmm. her. Like, it's still scary, but it's good for her to see, oh, it's not real. When you were watching this show, you talked about how it's very realistic to today. What do you think is realistic about that show to today? Yeah, like what parallels do you see? Of course, women's rights. We still have a long ways to go of improving our status and the world and how people look at women Mm. and things along that line. Definitely, definitely. So on that note, actually, we have something that our high school interns at Wire Media produced. Um, Shout out to Olivia Monforte and Vanessa Rasmussen for whipping this up for us. Uh, Can we cue that up real quick? I'm Olivia. And I'm Vanessa. And we're out here in Oakland. It's a beautiful day. We're going to ask some people some questions about women's equality. Let's go. Here we come, Oakland. What do you think is the most challenging thing about being a woman? Um, Well, I don't want to come off like super sexist or anything, but I think just women are more emotional. (laughs) Holy crap. Um, (laughs) It's like intellectual. Okay. I mean, something that comes to my mind is pregnancy. Pregnancy seems very difficult. Trust me, it hurts like <laughs> Competing in a man's world, really. <laughs> Your value as a woman being so closely tied to like how sexy you are. And if it wasn't for women, then none of us would be here. If I'm like with a guy friend. Like sometimes, if we're playing basketball on the yard and like a girl asks if she could like play with us, we'll probably be like, no. Like you're trash. They're talking about sports or something, and I jump in and I'm like, oh yeah. They'd be like, oh, you can't know that. You're a girl. It's like, what? <laughs> women hating on other women. I do that subconsciously. 
The women have to try and get equality through doing a lot more than the men do. Being physically attacked at any time. Having the perception that you have to be able to do everything all at the same time. For a lot of women, I think maybe dealing with birth control. A woman makes a statement and it's ignored, and then later on, a few minutes later in the same meeting, a man makes the same statement. And everyone's like, oh my god. And I'm like, okay, well. And then it's even worse when everybody's like, chill out. Like, what are you so upset about? <laughs> what do you think is the most challenging part of being a woman? <laughs> Being recognized for our accomplishments, accomplishments. our ability. ability, being recognized as a person. a person. We're not a thing. We're not arm candy only. We're cute too. We're cute too. Yeah, we are. But um, yeah, we are. So, Sydney, mm -hmm. how would you answer that question of what's the most challenging thing about being a woman? Finding and staying true to yourself. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I mean, it's always hard growing up and you have all these different expectations of what a girl should be and what a woman should be and what you should act like and what you should dress like. And then trying to figure out who you really are within all of that and what you want to be outside of what everyone else says you should be. Mm -hmm. Mark, so what do you think is the hardest part about being a woman? Well, for me, I would say one of the most challenging things, because there's a lot, is how people can dismiss you, mainly like my ideas. I feel like a big part of the reason why I'm like doing the work that I do is because I'm proving to people that I'm a woman, I'm smart, and I want to be respected because of it. I do feel like I have to work harder than dudes because of that, mm -hmm. because of the system that we live in and all the rules that have been in place. Kind of like Gilead, you know? Right. There are the rules, and because like I grew up in this world where those are the rules, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, this is what I know. But I like to say that our generation has a lot more um, awareness. I like to think that. Yeah, and I, I think they do. I'm really lucky in the generation that I am growing up with. So, Nige, now that we've both answered the question, do you have any thoughts on the things that we said or the things that you heard? Um, what do I feel is the <clears throat> the hardest thing about being a woman? No, I mean, just like, I mean, because I don't, I don't know if you could really answer that question yourself. <laughs> um, but, I mean, just like responding to just hearing that, like, what are your initial thoughts, reactions? Yeah, so I was thinking about this last night, and um, I brought it up with, like, a couple of my friends and stuff like that. And we were just talking, just chopping it up. And they were just basically saying, like, you guys have, like, these crazy unreal expectations put on you. And it's just, like, as a guy, I don't think a lot is expected, <laughs> especially, like, <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, if you're doing all that stuff, great. But, I mean, if you're not, then, uh, you know, he's just figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, like, somewhere along the way when we grow up, it's, like, this chunk of confidence just gets, like, sucked out of these girls. 100%. I mean, you go through that stage where... You don't feel good in anything you wear. Yeah. And what's awful, too, is that girls, we tear ourselves down, and then girls tear each other down, too. Mm. You know, on the plus side, though, for you, Sydney, to be on shows and movies, you know, mm. where you are, you know that you've worked so freaking hard to get there. That is just, like, really showing other young women that, like, hey, I can do it, you can do it, too, but do it in your own way. Yeah. Women are phenomenal beings. The world would not exist without them. Big facts. Heck yeah! Again, I gotta give you another high five. <laughs> Boom! Are you just gonna like edit that in later? Because that high five thing isn't working. We'll see, we'll see. So, we like to use the end of the segment as a chance to tell our younger, less adult-ish selves something. Is that cool with you? Okay. But, we want you to answer as Eden. So, channel her spirit, you know, if it wasn't dead and everything, and answer this. <laughs> All right. If you could go back in time and tell little Eden something about what it means to be a woman, what would you say? Eden would tell young, pious Eden. <laughs> can you Wait, can you say it in Eden's voice? I would hope to tell my younger self that Oh, gosh. I don't even know. What would Eden tell Eden? W-W-E-W. Or no, W-W-E-D. What would Eden do? Honestly, I would tell Eden to have mixed babies. <laughs> yeah. That's what Eden would say. 
Sydney, thank you so much for being here with us. We love talking to you today. Awesome, thank you. Blessed day, sister. <laughs> Praise be. <beer. laughs> <laughs> we want to thank y'all for listening to Adult-ish from YR Media, a national network of young journalists and artists creating content for this generation. And now it's time to sing our praises to everyone who makes Adult-ish possible. So for starters, we got our small team of me, Merck, and Davey Kim, who wants to give a big shout out to his mom, who passed her ESL level five class. Also, we're hashtag blessed to be working with people who make our dreams a reality. So here's a woo woo to our EP, Rebecca Martin, and outside editor, Jackson Musker, for their brains and brawn. And a special heart emoji to Teresa Chin for helping me out in the public exam segment. Shout out to Gotti Joe Johnson for all things audio. And last, but for sure not least, you. Yes, you, who's listening right now. Yeah, like we wouldn't have this amazing podcast without you guys. And we want to hear if you've got anything to say. So hit us up at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at YRAdultish, or reach out to our website at yradultish.com. Pretty please with a cherry on top. Subscribe to our show on Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify if you haven't already and write some swaggy reviews. Because if you write a really good one, I'll bake a cake with your name on it. Mm. Yep, so join us on our next episode, Life-ish. And here's a preview that's going to rile up anyone older than us. I have a VHS, okay, Merc? Okay, And I put I my VHS in my Sega Dreamcast, and I watch... How are you going to put that in your Sega Dreamcast? You don't I don't know. I was your... born in 96. I, I have no. I have too. no idea how any of that works. That's probably my favorite agree to disagree segment that we've had so far. Me too. Probably because, you know, I won. Oh my God. <laughs> but once again, thank you, fam. We're beyond pumped for you to join us next time for another Fly episode of Adult Ish. Later. Toodaloo. That's your favorite word in the whole wide world. I love the word snack. Oh, I could just snack on the word. You be telling Samuel, like, oh, you Sammy, you looking like a snack? Yes. You know, he loves like it when I Samuel say that word. Snack. I love it when I say the word. It's it's so great. Oh, my gosh. Good morning, my snack. Samuel snack. I'm going to call him that tomorrow. Thanks, Nige. <laughs>